I direct your prayerful attention this morning to Hebrews chapter 10 and reading for our text verse 12. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Hebrews 10 and verse 12. I hope whenever we come before the word of God and hear it preached, that we are mindful that what we are to hear has to do with our own soul and has to do with our eternal destiny, eternal peace and happiness, or most solemnly, our eternal destruction. How we need to realise that those things that we hear are to be personally applied. They will affect if the Lord applies it and blesses it to us, they'll affect our walk, they'll affect our conduct. They have eternal consequences. In our text it speaks of sins, and every one of us are sinners. All of us are bound up with the need of what is provided here for sinners. The whole word of God, it makes known sin and it makes known how God deals with sin and how he has made his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, sin and laid on him the iniquity of all of his dear people. Throughout the word of God, from the first promise in the Garden of Eden, there is a pointing to one and one only sacrifice to put away sin. It wasn't just a pointing in word, but it was a pointing in deed. It was a pointing in those sacrifices that were offered in the temple and before that even from Abel's day offering a lamb slain bloodshed on an altar that was pointing to the one sacrifice our Lord Jesus Christ would offer at Calvary. Prophecies in word also pointed to that same one sacrifice. Also, the temples, the first temple especially, was pointing to our Lord. Our Lord said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. And he was speaking of the temple of his body. In Solomon's dedication of the temple, in his prayer he prayed that those that looked toward that place, that the Lord would hear their prayer. When the temple itself was destroyed, Daniel was looking from Babylon 
to that place offering his prayers three times a day. The temple itself set forth our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in many ways this one sacrifice and the one that offered it was pointed to over some 4,000 years. It was very, very important for the Jews especially to realise that those many, many sacrifices and those many, many priests that offered them never ever put away one sin. They were pointing to one sacrifice and those that offered in faith they offered believing that God would provide his only begotten son and that he should put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so this really is the message of Hebrews, a showing how much our Lord Jesus was superior to any of the Old Testament priests, his sacrifice, the one sacrifice, not the many that went before him, showing them the basis, the ground, that they should cease those ceremonial sacrifices and believe and trust solely in the Lord Jesus Christ. So our text, it begins with a but, so it is a contrast with that which has gone before. And the immediate verse that is before speaks of the many priests and many sacrifices and that they could not take away sins. In a very stark contrast, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes these same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, that which he did upon Calvary's tree, the cross, sat down on the right hand of God, which he did after he had risen from the dead, appeared to the disciples for forty days and then ascended up bodily into heaven and sits on the right hand of God. This is the contrast and this is the message that is set before us here. So I want to look with the Lord's help at this word. Firstly, this man, but this man. Then secondly, his offering after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and then thirdly, after his offering, sat down on the right hand of God. But firstly we have that this man. It's hard to compute exactly, but from Aaron... Aaron was the first high priest of the Jewish nation and people and there followed some six that led up to Solomon's temple and then some 18 that served in that and 60 that followed 
after. So Psalm 84, priests that offered sacrifice as summarized in the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll read those because the first four verses, they give us this summary of the high priest and then lead to our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5 and verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honour unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. And so in those four verses, we have a picture of those high priests, one thing that was so important, that it was... God that called them to that office and they followed along that line of Aaron. It is very important that they should be able to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. It is very important that they should be able to sympathise and have compassion on those for whom they were offering those offerings. And so as being sinners themselves, they also had to offer for themselves as well as for the sins of others. Then in verse 5, we have the comparison with our Lord. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Psalm 110, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's vital that our Lord Jesus Christ is clearly shown to be chosen of God, approved of God, appointed by God as a great, as the great high priest, not in the line of Aaron, but given direct from God. And so when we have in our text that this man, we have a contrast with Aaron and all the priests that followed. Those priests, they could not continue ever. They must, of necessity, die. And so there was many of them. But the Lord Jesus Christ is one. And his priesthood is an everlasting, eternal priesthood. A great contrast with those priests. But this man, 
the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless and spotless. He had no sin. He did not need to offer for himself. He was spotless, the eternal God. But this man, the reality that the eternal God was made flesh and dwelt among us, Emmanuel God with us, is a vital thing that God's provision that Abraham said to his son Isaac, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering, was indeed made flesh and dwelt among us. And the text beautifully sets this for this man. No other man like him ever walked the face of this earth. No other man was sinless. No other man was God and man in one person. No other man had the witness of God himself. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But this man, this man, our attention is drawn to one man. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when our Lord was here below, there appeared to the disciples a vision of Moses and Elias speaking with Jesus. And they were speaking of what he should accomplish at Jerusalem, speaking of the one sacrifice that was before our Lord. A cloud covered them. And when the cloud was lifted up, the disciples, they saw no man but Jesus only. Moses representing the law, representing the moral and the ceremonial law, but... Elijah representing the prophets and all pointing to our Lord Jesus Christ and to the one offering that he was to make. Jesus only. That's all they saw. And that is to be the message for the church of God. The truth is in Jesus. Our Lord said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. This man is unlike the priests that were priests and then took the blood of bulls and of goats to offer. This man, he offered himself. He was the offering and he was the offerer. In the Old Testament, the offering had to be a lamb that was without blemish and without spot. Our Lord was that lamb, the paschal lamb, the lamb offered at the day of Passover, the lamb that was shed when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This man, the whole design of the word of God and the apostle here in Hebrews, is to exalt and to lift up and extol our Lord Jesus Christ.
right from the beginning of time. There have been men that have risen up who have tried to take the glory away from God, draw it to themselves, lift up themselves. The Apostle says, We preach not ourselves, but Jesus the Lord. It is so vital that there is discernment for all who gather, all that hear the word preached, that they never follow a man as a preacher, but they follow this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and only follow a preacher or a man on earth as far as he follows Christ. The Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. This man. It's often in this way we can tell truth from error. It is that no flesh might glory in his presence, but in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. John, when he writes his epistles, writes in very, very strong terms of those that do not bring this doctrine, the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ, coming in the flesh. Any doctrine, any teaching, that diminishes his glory, his work, his person, is not of God. You may rightly say we can never extol the Lord enough. We can never be in danger of ascribing to him what does not belong to him. He has been given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. It hath pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. He is highly exalted. He is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God on high. This man, may the Lord Jesus Christ be made precious to us, be the object of all our desire and all of our hope and all of our expectation. Jonah said in the whale's belly, salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry ground. That salvation is in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the salvation of God. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We must ask ourselves in this, what is this man to us? How often do we think of him? How often do we meditate upon him? How often do we feel a love to him, a drawing to him? How often do we defend him? Our Lord said, Whoso shall be offended or shamed of me and of my word, of him shall my father be ashamed before the angels and those in heaven. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the 
incarnate word and the written word are the same. There are many that will say, well, we believe in Jesus, but they rise up against the word of God, against the Holy Bible. How vital that we realise the two are the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God is inspired Word of God. Our Lord said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And every Word of God is pure. It is Christ in all the Scriptures. Those things concerning himself were what he spoke to those two on the way to Emmaus. They were about this man, this high priest, this redeemer, this real man and real God. This one that all of the other high priests pointed to. This one man that had been typified in so many ways, but now is known to the Church of God. He has been given a name, a name which is above every name, and he's clearly known to us, to be set before us. We are to preach the word. We are to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. This man, but this man. Well, may the Lord give us to believe in his name, to trust in him, to look unto him. Look unto me, our Lord says, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I want to then look secondly at his offering. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, his offering. We have already said that with the high priest that had gone before, their offerings were of bulls and of goats. That is what is set before us in the previous verses. In verse 4, For it is it not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins? Wherefore, when he bringeth into the world, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Ghost overshadowed her, and that which was conceived in her was that holy thing, the Son of God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And that is why it is not by usual generation that our Lord did not partake, though he took part of flesh and blood, and in the womb of the virgin, he did not partake of the sin. Job had puzzled over that in his day. How can a clean thing come out of an unclean? But it is revealed 
in the Gospel according to Mark, Matthew and Luke how it was that Mary was a child of the Holy Ghost. And so that offering was then to be made of his own body, of his own flesh, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That one offering he was to offer. When Peter charged upon the Jews the crucifixion of our Lord, he said this, him that was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. He points to the eternal purpose of God. He points to the plan being of God. We read in Psalm 22, penned a thousand years before Christ suffered, and before he offered that one sacrifice, his cry upon the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We read uh, that a bone of him shall not be broken. We read of his utterances, I thirst. We read that they had pierced his hands and his feet. The very particulars and details of that offering were told a thousand years before. It was determined by God that it should be so. When our Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples with him, and Judas came, Judas Iscariot, and the Jews, and Judas betrayed the Lord, and they apprehended him. Peter with the sword, he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. He sought to stop what was happening. But our Lord stayed him, healed the high priest's servant. Put up thy sword within thy sheath. The cup that my father hath given me to drink, shall I not drink it? Thinkest thou not that I may pray my father? And he will presently give me twelve legion of angels. But how then should the scripture be fulfilled? A legion is six thousand, seventy-two thousand angels. But our Lord did not resist. In Isaiah 53, seven hundred or so years before Christ, we read that he is led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Pilate said to him, as he judged him in the judgment hall, Thinkest thou not that I have power to release thee or power to crucify thee? And our Lord's answer to him was, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. And though the Jews were guilty in all that they did, yet the Lord went as it was appointed and as it was determined. And that sacrifice that was offered at Calvary 
was a willing sacrifice. Because if the Lord was not willing, he could have prayed his father, he could have resisted. Even when they came to take him in the garden, he said, Whom seek ye? And they went and they fell backward. The power that was there, they had no power to apprehend him. If someone is very strong, and they're apprehended by another person or people, and they don't exert that strength, they don't resist, they don't deliver themselves when they could have, then it makes it that they are willing, they're going willingly. Because if they were unwilling, they could easily overcome those that came against them. And our Lord said, I lay down my life of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. No man taketh my life from me. And when our Lord did yield up his breath upon the cross, it was with a strong cry, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. They marvelled that he was dead already, dead before the thieves were. And that's why instead of breaking his legs, his side was pierced. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. Our text says that he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. The contrast is that those many sacrifices, and you've only got to read the Passover sacrifices that were offered by Solomon at the, in the temple, and the, the dedication of the temple, Josiah, Hezekiah, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of bullocks and of rams that were sacrificed in the history of Israel. And yet none of them put away sin. And the Apostle here, he says that as they were continually offered, he said if they really did put away sin, why were they continually being offered? It is because they weren't putting away sin. They weren't putting an end to it. He says in verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Constant reminder, sin is there, sin must be put away. There is a provision, it is yet coming, but those with faith they look to it, they look for it. They died like Abel in the faith that Christ would come that he would shed his precious blood. But this blood is better than that of Abel, is better than that of the blood of bulls and of goats. It is the spotless blood of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the emphasis here is one offering, one sacrifice for sins forever. This is what the dear martyrs held so dearly. They clave to that. 
You can see in this passage the contrast. Those Old Testament priests, the reason why they had to continually offer, it was sin wasn't put away yet. But with the Lord it is one sacrifice for sins forever. Why did they offer them so continually? A remembrance of sins. But with our Lord, the Lord has given to the Church of God the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. This do in remembrance of me. As oft as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. It is not showing forth sin unatoned for, it is showing forth sin atoned for, put away, a one offering. And the blasphemous mass of the Roman Catholic Church is set forth as another offering. And that is why the martyrs so resisted it and would not give in to that terrible error because it undermined, it took away the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that at Calvary the sins of every one of his dear people, right from Abel right to the last one that shall be called, all their sins were laid upon him there. If you and I are saved, if our sins are put away, they were laid on the Lord Jesus Christ and borne away at Calvary, atonement made for them, the price paid without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, the price paid then, that one sacrifice for sins forever. And in the Lord's Supper we remember that, as if it is rehearsed to us again and again, forever, forever. We are not remembering sins that are unatoned for, but sins that are atoned for and are put away. Why does the Church of God need to be reminded of this? We're still sinners by nature. Sin does live in us, but by the grace of God may we not live in sin, that the Lord make a difference and set us free from the captivity of sin. It plagues us, it troubles us, it brings us low, it grieves us and should rightly do so. But it cannot condemn us, it cannot have dominion over us because the Lord Jesus Christ has put away sin. Luther, when he stood up against the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and he had the vision, the vision of Satan coming to him with a picture of all his sins, this great long list of all his sins, and he owned it. He said, yes, these are all my sins. But right on the bottom, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. And the devil was gone. He can't answer. He has no reply to that. The first promise was, the seed of the woman shall bruise thy head, Satan's head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. Our Lord did suffer in offering for sin. He laid down his life to take it again. But may we view in that sacrifice at Calvary 
all that we as poor sinners need, all that God has done to deal with sin, the sin of his people, by taking it and bearing it away, making atonement for it and redeeming us from it. So we have his offering. But then lastly, we have after his offering, sat down on the right hand of God. With those priests, after their offerings, they offered them again and again. And then it came to be that the priest died and they never offered again. They had no power to do any good on earth anymore. Again, the idea that those who have died are saints and that have some power to influence those on earth or to be a blessing or should be prayed to is blasphemous teaching. It completely undermines the one glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. After his offering, he sat down. We know that he offered on Calvary that perfect offering. And then after three days, he rose again from the dead. That was the assurance. That was the evidence that was the proof that the sins were put away that were laid on him. He hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Appearing to the disciples for 40 days, many witnesses, 500 brethren at once, we are told in 1 Corinthians 15, but then he ascended up into heaven. The disciples saw him taken up. The Spirit of the Lord rested on them. He said, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter which shall abide with you forever. Tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And in the day of Pentecost, another Ten days later, the Holy Spirit fell. And we read the disciples then, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, preached with great power and authority amongst the people. They worked miracles, miracles of healing and of raising the dead. And many thousands were converted. Many thousands were brought to savingly believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to continue in the word of God and with the apostles in being baptised and breaking of bread in the Lord's Supper. Our Lord sitting down indicates his finished work. He had finished the work that his Father gave him to do upon the cross, upon this earth. But there is a work in heaven he is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is our great high priest still in heaven. He still lives. He still is able 
and is beautifully set forth in the earlier chapters of Hebrews. In the end of chapter 2, we read, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succour them that are tempted. After his offering, how different than after the offering of all of those other priests. There is an after, there is a sympathising, there is an appearing in the presence of God for us. There is a voice that speaks for us in heaven's high court for good. We can read to the prayers and the intercession of our Lord in John 17, which he made on earth. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Those intercessions he makes still above. When Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned, then as he died, he looked up and he testified of seeing the Lord standing in heaven, ready to receive him from a sitting position, standing to receive one of his people. Reading John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There is the Lord standing to receive Stephen unto himself in the article of death to seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He is there now. He is there appearing in the presence of God for us. His work there is still that he makes intercession, that he appears for his people and that he is the author of the work in their hearts through the Spirit. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I send the promise of my Father upon you. How vital we need that work of the Holy Spirit, who shall receive, says our Lord of mine, and shall reveal it unto you. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And it is the Holy Ghost that reveals the Lord Jesus Christ to his people. Peter says, unto you which believe, he is precious. Who is precious? This man. He is precious. In the sacrifice he is offered, he is precious as our friend above. A friend that lives to carry on his people's cause above. Well, may we, in the word before us this morning, have our Lord made precious to us. May we see afresh the sufficiency of his sacrifice, putting away sin forever. May we see him as the living Saviour, 
one who lives forever, not on the cross anymore, not in the grave, not an image, but the living Saviour above. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. May we be of those that at last we see him. The word is very clear. They shall see him and his name shall be upon their foreheads. The Lord grant us that great mercy and great blessing and a real felt interest in this one offering and one sacrifice for sin and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.